Greetings, friends, and welcome back, or welcome to the High Flyers Podcast. The show, the curious ones, the ones that want to learn to fly high from individuals creating value in a variety of industries and roles to learn about their sunrise, their magic moments, their hustle, and a load of golden nuggets and insights to help you be 1% better every day. And I'm your host, Vidit Agarwal. In today's episode, we take flight with Taps Matimba. Are you ready to fly high? Hi Taps, thanks for coming on the show. It's the inaugural episode and I couldn't think of a better person to open with. Very excited about this episode. You're a man of many talents and many interests that keep you occupied, so thanks for making the time. Welcome. Hi, Pete. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm extremely honored um, to be the inaugural guest. I'm super proud of you and what you're trying to do on this podcast. I really am a firm believer in it, and um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Great. Well, let's get into it. So we like to kick things off a bit differently here with a bit of an icebreaker or a warm-up to get some excitement and get the juices flowing. How does that sound? Sounds good. Let's do it. Awesome. What's a Netflix show that you've been watching recently? <laughs> uh, Netflix, uh, to be honest, I've, I'm, a, I'm a documentary junkie. <laughs> so I watch pretty much all the documentaries on Netflix. I've just recently rewatched um, 13th, um, just with everything that's going on in the world right now. Um, I think it's phenomenal storytelling. Um, but um, other stuff that I like listening to and, and watching, I'm more of a podcast person. Um, Radio Lab is one of my favorite podcasts, um, and it explores everything from like science to history to, to anything you can think about under the sun. So it's a great learning fest. Nice. That sounds like a good range of options. What's a go-to beer that you take to a friend's house or a gathering? I know you're a big beer junkie. <laughs> oh, yeah. It'll have to be uh, Colonial, the IPA. Uh, Mrs. Brewery in, in Port Melbourne, and they do this awesome IPA, man. And it's like 6.5%. So it gets the party going pretty quickly. Very nice. And is there a song that you've had on repeat recently? A song I've had on repeat recently? Mm. I think... Yeah, no, recently I've been listening to a lot of kind of like um, jazz um, and one of the songs that really gets me in the mood, I don't know, I'm a little bit um, nerdy with this, is Nina Simone's Cinnamon. Um, so when I wake up in the morning and uh, I'm still feeling a little bit drowsy, I, I put on Cinnamon and it's just a, it's just a excellent jazz song to get me going. Nice, I'll have to check it out. Awesome, well that's a good Good way to get things started. So now I'm keen to understand more about your sunrise, so your early journey and what formed you into the taps today. I know from my time having known you, the sunrise was in Africa. Great place for sunrise, by the way. <laughs> and then in your 20s, you made the move to Australia to continue your study. It's a mm. fascinating story. Mm. So what was that journey like? And I'd love to go into a few magic moments along the way as well. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um so the the sunrise of taps um i yeah i was born in in zim um and uh my dad passed away when i was two 
um, in our family, um, there's five of us. Um, and yeah, mom raised all of us by herself. Um, very strong lady. Um, in the early, um, in the late nineties, uh, Zim started experiencing some, you know, economic, um, problems. So mom made the choice, um, to, to move overseas, um, to, to England. Um, so that she can work and support um, us. Um, a little bit after she'd gone, um, I lived with my brother, um, uh, with my brothers, uh, my little sister. And when mom flew over, um, she brought two of the other older boys with her after a, a couple of years. Um, my sister went to boarding school and my brother used to work all the time. So um Pretty much from a very young age, I kind of lived by myself <laughs> um, mm. at, at home. Um, and, uh, you know, I still remember, you know, parents kind of looking at me, um, you know, in a, in a weird way when I would go into the shops and do like my massive grocery shops by myself with my list. And I think they always used to kind of look around and be like, oh, it's your mom <laughs> or, your, or your dad or whatever. Um, but. I don't know. I, I really loved how I grew up. You know, I learned to be very independent and very responsible at a, at a very young age. Because, um, yeah, mom left when I was about 11. So from 11 onwards, I was in charge of like, she'd send me money and I'd go pay the, the bills and, you know, do the grocery shop, go pay my school fees and 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 all of that stuff and because my brother was always kind of away um yeah it ended up being responsible for the household wow um, fascinating yeah um, and i'm sure there's a a lot of key moments there and influences and lessons learned i yeah. wonder if you can share perhaps a few that have played a big part in your life then you look back on and go that was important to experience or learn or meet mm people yeah 100 percent um so one of the early influences in my life was you know my brother um Tawanda, and he's he he's one of those people who like walk in into a room and like make friends with 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 everyone he's just you know um charismatic he's fun um just just an all-round you know great guy um yeah we fight sometimes he's got he's, he's got things but um He's, he's a great guy, but I, I'll never forget um, a piece of advice that he gave me. Um, and he was, it's always kind of stuck with me. And he said to me, you know, because what I was, I think I was 13 at the time, you know, and just um, life is changing, your body's changing, you're trying to make sense of the world. And I still remember we were in the car once and he said to me, I asked him a question, I was like, what is it to be a man, you know? What, what what does that mean? Um, and his reply to me was, not even just being a man, but as a as a person, your worth as a person is directly linked to how you treat other people. And I found that I didn't. It was a it was a statement that stuck with me, but it was quite haunting in in the way that he he said it like in a loving way but it was just so pointed and straight that ever since that day in my life i've always kind of said to myself you know 
I've got this responsibility to, to treat people well. And I think your, my life has become richer because of that. Um, I've met so many phenomenal people in, in my life and I'm really blessed that I can say that. Um, and I've, yeah, I've kind of lived to that, to that kudos that every person that you meet has a story. You never know where people are coming from. So always be kind. Um, always be that person that when someone interacts with, they leave with a smile. And I'm not saying like be, be fake or, you know, always be nice or, or be clamoring, but approach um, people with compassion and kindness. Even when someone is, you know, rude to you or if they say something that's untoward. Um, yeah. If you, if you approach that with compassion and kindness and kind of think that, well, you don't know what happened before your interaction with them, they, they probably maybe had a bad day or got a really bad phone call. Um, so never judge people with just one interaction because you miss out on so many good things. Absolutely. Um, and then the second one was uh, I, I found this poem when I was really young as well. Um, and it's called If by Rudyard Kipling. And if is a, I always kind of believe that every person should have a code in life that they live to, like an ethos. My, one of my brother's, um, uh, my brother's advice was a, a bit of an ethos for me, but it was well-rounded by two things that I read in my life, which was If by Rudyard Kipling. And If talks about how to, go about in the world you know and it talks about at the end of it it's 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 a man talking to his son and he's giving him a list of things that if he's able to do that like for instance if you're able to keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you um it gives you really little scenarios that you can encounter in everyday life um, but if you're able to hold true to yourself um, and show a level of, um, you know, maturity and, and compassion and, um, and understanding, it, it will, that's what makes you a man. That's what makes you a person, a whole rounded person, you know. And I say man just because that's how the poem ends. <laughs> that's all it ends. If you can give... Um, 60 seconds worth of a distance run, um, uh, then yours is, is the world and everything that's in it. And you'll be a man, my son. That's, that's how it, it, it kind of ends. So that's the only reason why I use um, uh, that uh, descriptor. Pronoun. Yep. Very, very inspiring. And then how did you come across a book that was recommended in the early years or did you just pick up, pick it up at the library? Funnily enough, um, it was in this edition of A Student's Companion. So growing up back in the day, we used to have this little student's companion with um, idioms and um, sayings and, and, and things in, like in English, like proper old world English. Um, and if was a poem in that, in that book. So one day, um, I've always been a little bit weird and quirky. I was sitting down uh, by myself and 
as much as I like, because I'm a little bit of an introvert at times as well. And I was kind of thinking about, oh, you know, like if I had a conversation with my dad, um, what would it be like? You know, and it's weird. I remember that day vividly. Um, anyway, I picked up my student's companion and I started just kind of flipping through the pages and I saw if, and I was like, ah, what a weird kind of, um, name for a poem. Let me get into it. And when I started reading it, I felt like I was having a conversation with my dad. Like I felt that's the advice that my dad would give me. So that incredible poem has stuck with me my whole life because yeah, the way that I, I bumped into it was very weird. <laughs> I, I say the story, you know, I know it sounds sometimes a little bit kooky, but I remember it um, so vividly and it's, um, yeah, and, and that's how I came across it, uh, pretty much. Yeah, you know, very, very inspiring. I think it's clearly played a big role in, in the person you are today and being grounded. Um, were there any um, lessons that you look back on in the moment perhaps weren't as positive, but when you look back, you go, I'm glad I went through that experience and I'm glad I learned that. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause when I look at my own life, I think there's been a lot of those moments where in the, in the process of it, they can be hard to, to, to go through. But when you go through them and come out the other side, often you become a better person or a more improved person, whether at work mm-hmm. or in life. Did you have any of those moments? I know you had a pretty varied life. You lived in a few different countries. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'd be curious to know if there's any particular moments or even themes that you can share with the audience. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think one of the the the, uh, the defining moments in in that perspective was I think moving to to Australia because um, I'm you know the, the one of the most the most wonderful thing that's happened in my life is meeting my wife, Mika, and we met very young um, in South Africa because I was at Monash, South Africa, and Mika was there on exchange. And we, we met and fell in love, um, and I decided to, to move to Australia when, when she came back. Um, after moving to, to Australia, I was studying in, in South Africa um, because in terms of finances, that's what you know my family could afford they couldn't afford paying full fee tuition fees for uh you know australian universities so um i went to south africa and great university um great place but that's what my family could afford and i I was really really lucky when i moved to australia i said to my family look it's not your responsibility to to pay higher fees because uh, this is a decision that I made. Um, so, you know, inspired by my mom who kind of went to a country where she didn't know anyone or know how things worked and just found a way, I, there was a part of me that wanted to do the same. So I kind of said to my family, I, I won't be asking for any financial help. Um, I want to do this by myself. And when I mean by myself, I mean me and Mika. <laughs> so I worked hard. I worked, I think I was 20, 21 at the time, 20, 2022. Um, and I worked hard and put myself through uni, um, paying international 
um, student fees in Australia. Um, so the first um, while in our marriage, um, Mika and I, we were, yeah, we, we, we struggled. We really struggled financially. And, you know, like that happened, like we went through school um, and, you know, that time was difficult financially, but, you know, we, we just found out what we're made of. Um, you know, like we were, we, we were, it made us so grateful in the little things, you know, Mika and I, there are times where we couldn't afford having really, you know, big grocery shops. So it would be like, um, <laughs> canned tuna sandwich and, and sandwiches for like <laughs> a week on end, you know? Um, but we, we did it. I, I got through school. Um, I graduated, um, and I got, you know, afterwards, I, I was lucky enough to, to get a Commonwealth-supported place to do my postgrad in law now. Um, but what that taught me in that time, like it was a difficult time financially, but spiritually and emotionally, it made me, like it, it made my, it made my spirit so light because I, we found joy in, in such little things. You know, like if we could afford to go to the movies for a date that, that you know, that month or something, that would have been great. You know, um, if we could go to, the, to like a fancy dinner or something, that would, that would have been awesome. You know, just, just, just little things, um, taking walks together, um, just going to sit at the beach or just, you know, read together or just talk. Um, we found joy in little things. So even though that time was difficult financially, it was one of the most rewarding periods of my life. Yeah, it sounds like it. And kudos to you for for sticking through it and clearly coming out a more, I guess, learned person. I think I've known you for some time now. It's clearly paying off, especially in the world we live in today where things are evolving on a daily basis. I'm sure that resilience probably helps a lot in dealing with numerous different moving pieces. Um, I'm also interested, I think, on that topic itself, the move from Africa to Australia. Can you perhaps shed a bit of light on that? Because I think people listening might be considering that or they might be graduates or people in their high school years who are wanting to go into study and maybe looking at a different country or taking inspiration from your story and going, I want to do that in my life. Would you have any actionable tips and tricks, so to call it, that you can share with, with people like that? Yeah. So I, I think when, you know, like when, when I, when I moved, um, it's, it's one of those things um, as well that you have to be ready for the adventure, right? You can never know what to expect. Um, mm. And, you have to, you have to, to trust yourself. One of, you know, one of my favorite authors um, and my favorite book of all time is The Alchemist. And he describes it really well. If, you know, if you take a chance um, and if you jump off the ledge or something, you know, per se, the, the universe will come out to meet you. So all you have to do is just be brave enough to take that first step there's a lot of things that aren't going to be in your control that can't be. So, and there's a lot of things because you're going to a different 
place you know nothing about. So you're going to have to just trust yourself and trust that the universe has your back too. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a very clear, actionable way of thinking that people can absolutely apply. I think this is a good good segue taps into your hustle, which is really where people are tuning in to understand more about your profession and your career. And it's fascinating to me that he talked about the the financial struggles and the learnings and now you're actually working at a bank <laughs> and then perhaps applying some of those learnings and sharing them in your in your roles previously and also now. Um, so just to understand that side of your life a bit better, how would you describe yeah. your current role? Yeah, sure. Um, so I work in risk. Um, I'm a risk and enablement um, uh, manager. So essentially what our team does is it supports um, the business, which is um, CFP, um, in relation to management of operational risk. Um, and Could you like, share what CFP yeah. is for oh, people sorry. that might not know? Yeah, so um, it's Commonwealth Financial Planning. Um, so our team is line one risk and we support um, Commonwealth Financial Planning in relation to um, things that relate to uh, management of operational risk um, and making sure that we're meeting our um, compliance um, in regards to legislation and regulations. So my team that I'm directly involved in is um, we work on oversight um, and reporting of core operational risk activities. Awesome. That sounds like a variety of things. Um, And then I think people are always curious when you share something like that because it clearly sounds like a very important role in the business. What what helped you get to this role? I know you talked a bit about your early life and your magic Mm -hmm. moments. Perhaps you can share some of that in terms of your work-specific journey. How did you get there? Were there any people along the way or any things that you did that set you up for this role? Yeah. So I believe like everything that you do, um, one thing that I've learned for you, I might take it back a little bit so that I I can give context to my answer. Um, There's... I think when we when people are looking at roles or getting into roles, they tend to minimize the the roles that they've had previously. Um, to get to the role that I'm in now takes me all the way back when I first arrived in Australia, and I was working in the liquor section um, at an IGA in in Spencer Street. There's so many skills that you learn in each role that you will take ultimately to where you want to end up. So in IGA, I learned how to handle, you know, difficult conversations. People come in at midnight, 1 a.m., um, really drunk, mm. um, <laughs> and sh- and I, could, I couldn't sell them alcohol. I wasn't allowed to, you know. Um, and having that conversation with someone who's impaired, who won't be able to, <laughs> to, to who's not rational at that time, um, helped me understand or develop strategies to speak to people at different, um, in different situations. You know, um, after IJ, I, I worked for Rebel Sport, which showed me customer service. Um, I mean, you carry customer service wherever you go, but 
um, retail was great because I, I learned how to really ask the question to be able to fulfill what someone um, wants, like what, what, what they need at that time. Um, by really digging deep into, okay, so you've come in for a pair of shoes, you know, like, what do you want to do? Is that you, you're a walker, you're a runner, how, you know, how, how much are you running? You know, what are you, what are your goals in terms of, um, fitness? And so, cause it gave me insights to be like, oh, okay, cool. So then, um, if they want to do this, this is probably the best, um, product for them. Then after that, um, I tried to apply for a bunch of intern um, for summer internships after because I was about to graduate for my post grad um, for my undergrad sorry and I got like I got rejected from all of them um, all the major companies you can think of I got rejected so that that left me shattered a little bit so I was just like all right let me let me start from um, from wherever I can and one of my favorite quotes is by um, Henry Ford which says do what you can where you are with what you have. All right. So I ended up being a teller in a customer service representative in, in CBA. And all the skills that I'd learned along the way helped me so much in that role. Like I was able to really connect with, um, with my customers around me. Because the thing is, like you see the same people every, every day, right? It's the business, business people around me coming to deposit and doing um, and doing the everyday banking. So I ended up really understanding like, ah, oh, this is something that can help them. And I built such great relationships with them. Um, over time though, like I've always been a person who's very curious. Um, I, 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 I'd almost graduated at that time and I started thinking to myself, well, what, what, what do I want to do? You know, and that's where the question for me turned because when I found out that the core of what I want to do is being a profession that can help people, then I started looking into, okay, I'm in a really big company. How do I narrow that down and start um, looking at things? There was a financial planner in my, in my branch at the time, and she was phenomenal. You know, one of those people who's just on top of it, who can, who, you know, and her customers loved her. And I just wanted to know what she did. So I started asking questions um, and she started mentoring me and teaching me. And, um, and I got this passion for, for financial planning. So um, one day, one of our um, partners walked into to the branch who, who used to work with the financial planner. And I just went up to her and I said, hey, um, you know, you've been in this field for a while. Do you mind just catching up for a coffee with me so that... Um, I can understand what you do, what this world is. And Lucy was amazing. She sat down with me, asked, answered every question that I had, um, showed me where I might have gaps in terms of um, more education. So I ended up in my last semester of school, I enrolled into getting my RG146 and I smashed that out just because I'd gotten that insight that this is the education that you need to come into um, into this field. And I was lucky enough to, to, to start knocking on doors. And um, CBA is really amazing in terms of mentoring and supporting people to, to do what they want. Um, so I started knocking on doors and I got shadowing opportunities. Um, and when roles came up, I started applying and applying. Uh, 
Um, and then finally, I got accepted. Um, I worked for a manager, um, Stephen Richards. He's probably one of my biggest professional influences, and I'm also really lucky to call him a friend. Um, he, from day one, understood that I'm quite a complex character. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's one way to put it. <laughs> so he he started having fun with it, right? Because I always used to say to him, "I want to do more. I want to be more. I want to do more." And he started setting me little challenges, like, "Okay, cool. You're you know your your hyper energy. So how about you do this?" Um, and I'll do it. And over time, like it started building up my confidence. And he'll point me in the direction of, oh, okay, maybe if you want more clarity, you know, maybe speak to this person. This person would be a good mentor. Um, or someone you can just ask a question to. Um, and just for that support, it also motivated me. And I worked extremely hard. Like, and that's that's just the overriding ethos as well. Like before you start knocking on doors and before you start, um, you know, putting, putting yourself out there in terms of this is what I want to do. You have to build your credibility. You have to be credible. And the only way there's no shortcut to credibility. The only way that you can do that is by working hard and people will see the final product. And when you can demonstrate over a long period of time that this is the product that you can produce, when you knock on people's doors, you know your value. You can say, look, I think, you know, I can bring value here by doing A, B, C, D, and E. You know, and that value, and that's different for everyone. But when you start being able to articulate it and demonstrate it, then the people that you're approaching, because people are busy, people don't have time. So you have to be respectful of people's time. If, you, if you're knocking on doors, you have to show them that you, you can do it. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, and I did the same, um, started knocking on doors, um, asking for shadowing opportunities. Um, and because it's such a supportive environment, all of my leaders um, they're like, okay, um, let's see what, what you can do. Um, let's put you in these situations. Um, let's see how, you know, like how much you're growing. Um, and it, it, it all came from, from a place of, you know, deep. Um, and you could tell like there were people were invested in you, you know, and that's so empowering. Um, so when this role came up, um, I, I applied, um, and yeah, I, I, I managed to get it. But um, yeah, I had over time kind of demonstrated that, yeah, I can bring value. Yeah, no, amazing, amazing. I think there's so many aspects of what you just shared that we could in, unpack in an episode on its own. Um, but it's clear that the role of you taking that initiative and being proactive and also your peers in your leaders investing in you and trusting in you clearly paid off. So well done. It's also, I think, worth mentioning that I believe you're working from Hobart, so you're working remotely, whereas Combank's Australian head office obviously is in Sydney, and that in itself would be, I imagine, an experience as well. Um, 
and you're also studying, right? You're also doing, you mentioned earlier, you're doing a Juris Doctor. So can you, can you perhaps share some of the lessons you've learned through that process? I think particularly around time management and um, expectation setting, perhaps? Yeah. Given you're yeah. working remotely, you're studying, and you've got into a pretty important role in the business and for yourself. What, what are some of the... Um, tips that you can share that you found that's worked well for you in the last six to eight months while you've been doing this? Yeah, definitely. Um, communication. <laughs> that's, that's number one. Um, you, you know, just be like, and that's a lesson that I needed to learn. Sometimes when, when things are happening, it's, you, you have to be able to, to communicate. Um, because that's that's respectful of everyone around you. Everyone's busy, so you have to make um, you have to convey um, any obstacles that you're coming across, um, anything that um, you know you you require um, clarity on um, and um, clear um, expectation setting and things like that. Because and and that responsibility. Um, is 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 on me, right? Because I, you have people who who are relying on you, um, and you also want to show that um, you're you're bringing value. Um, and working remotely, it, it, it's 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 been a challenge for everyone um, at the moment. But if I'm going to be honest, the best remedy to to solving that is just communication just honest um honest straight to the point um communication and i've found that it's been a great experience so far um in terms of 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 man time management um that's something that ha- i've been able to accrue over time uh so when i was working and putting myself through school, I I was working, um, I was studying full time and working full time. Um, when I could, um, and essentially what that showed me was I had to be disciplined. You have to be disciplined. Um, and some of our mates, we've got this joke, um, and I think it's a quote by uh, Janko. I'm forgetting his last name, but he was a former Navy SEAL. And all he jokes about, all he, all he talks about is discipline is freedom. Yeah. Right. Because you've got to be able to say to yourself, okay, I've just finished, you know, an eight hour, nine hour day at work. I've got four hours of study in front of me. You've got two choices. I can put this off, which is fine. Um, or I can do it now and get the four hours done and know that it's done. And where that quote really hits you in between the eyes with discipline is freedom is if you do that four hours that day, that you, you've done it, you've completed what you needed to complete, you can go to the next stage. If you don't complete it in that time, it's not going to go away. So come exam time, instead of you just doing like maybe six hours off a refresh session, you're now going back to try to compensate for all of those hours that you kind of talked yourself out of doing so procrastination always kind of gets you at the end and you know 
no one's keeping tabs of you. So you've got to be um, really honest with yourself. There are days, I won't lie, that I'm really tired, that I won't, um, that I'll give myself a break, but I try to make those days very, very few. <laughs> yeah. Because if the, the stress at the end of exams, especially with the reading load in law, um, you'll find that it's better for you to finish your day at work, go do what you need to do, exercise, study, whatever. Yeah, um, no, that's like get the work done. Yeah. Super, yeah. super actionable tips. And I think for me in particular, it's super inspiring to have you on because I think you define the word hustle quite well. You're clearly working and studying. And I know you mentioned earlier that you did a full marathon as well in the last couple of years and you've moved cities to Tasmania. So amazing. That's an amazing story. And, and I hope people tuning in can take some tips from it that they can apply to their lives. Um, just quickly on that hustle piece as well, Taps, is there anything yeah. as you look forward, I think, in this changing world that I think you're looking forward to in particular in, in banking or law, I think given the, the changing times the world's in? Yeah, I think, you know, in any, in any time, I'm a firm believer that in any time where, you know, there's, there's chaos, there's opportunity. You know, um, thing really good things can come out of this. So, for instance, you know, companies across the world at the moment they're asking themselves the question that, oh, do we really need to have people in the office? You know, I and mean, that's just an example. So, I'm looking forward to the change. And what what I mean about that is, you know, studies across the board. You know, like the Harvard Business Reviews of the world, they're saying productivity right now is quite high because working from home has allowed people to be able to work around their lives. You know, people can take kids to school. Um, people can exercise more. You know, there's just this flexibility that's come out of this really bad situation has actually been a really positive silver lining, you know. And I think in terms of any field that you're in, you know, in particular for me, I'm really excited about what it means for, for our customers. Um, you know, what, how flexibility is going to play a role in how services are delivered across the board. You know, people are going to have to rethink all of this. In terms of law, I think, you know, from my perspective, it's things of, you know, like, like, seeing the, the court changing its procedures in terms of getting people to to keep the, the system moving, you know, um, because people can't be in court face-to-face. -face. So um, they're, conducting, um, they're conducting proceedings over online. And I think it's just, it's just that it's given us an excuse to think outside the box. And I'm excited for every um, area in society for that. Mm, very interesting. I think definitely a space to watch in the coming months and years ahead. Um, great, great taps. Those are some awesome insights. And I think we'll definitely have to bring you back on for another episode. I think go deeper into some of those trends and also some of your current workings in, in work and also in study. Um, so I think we're really well warmed up and ready for something we call the sprint session. Um, this is really a segment which is a bit more fun and it's a fast question answer session. So if you're up for it, let's go. Let's do it. Awesome. 
So what is one investment you've made that you would call your best decision? Uh, I would say more time doing fun, silly stuff with my wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Great. I think that the next one you've touched on it a few times with quotes, but is there one person, a quote that inspires you the most? Oh, far out. There's so many. Um, oh, at the, I think in terms of, for me, I think it's Paulo Coelho um, when he says, paraphrasing a little bit, but when he says, um, when you, I'm going to get this right because I'm trying to be respectful of the author. <laughs> um, no, sure. I think you've already mentioned a few quotes. I'm happy for you if you want to repeat one of those because they're all amazing. You know, I think, yeah, I think my favorite quote by him is when the biggest lie, yeah, you know, it's the, it's Santiago talking to the, uh, to the alchemist and he goes, what's the world's biggest lie? And the alchemist says, the world's biggest lie is that you lose control of your life at some point. We never lose control of our lives. We may have circumstances that are difficult, um, but I think that quote for me is quite powerful because, yeah, it just reminds you that there are people around you who love you um, no matter what. There are circumstances that you can't control, but your life is all the series of choices that you make. Um, and I think that's, a, that's one of my favorite quotes. Great. What's, what's one piece of advice that you've been given that stuck with you? I think it would have to be, uh, yeah, my, my brother who, who said, you know, your worth as a person is how you treat other people. Um, and another one is back yourself. <laughs> I know it's it's really it's a it, it might not sound as profound, but what one of my mentors said that, and he said, you know, Taps, you just got to back yourself, right? Um, and where they were coming from that was we all have these moments of self doubt, all of us, right? Like where we think, are we good enough? Are we doing the best that we can? Are we doing? But just remember the the powerful elements of your story. Um, and just use those to propel you, you know, always be so like reflective and, and evaluate what you're doing hundred percent. But I think it's really important for, for each and every one of us to back ourselves because when we're confident, I think we can, we will all change the world for the better. Great. And then on that back yourself, is there one thing you'd like to learn in the next six months? Yes. Yes. To play the guitar. Um, I think nice. <laughs> I think yeah. I make think it I'm, sound so easy. <laughs> oh no, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. Um, Mika is uh, at least I've got you know Mika is classically trained, so I, I've got a little. I'm, I'm a little bit lucky there because um, I'll just have to you know I'll bribe her with kisses and stuff so that I can get free guitar lessons. Um, but yeah, I want to learn the guitar. Um, I think it's a it's a it's a wonderful instrument and it's just something creative. One final sprint to finish off and get to the finish line. Mm -hmm. This one's actually related to 
sprinting itself in an aspect. <laughs> What's one thing you learned from completing a full marathon? <sighs> you can never... And that in itself is an achievement, so congratulations. <laughs> thanks, thanks, thanks. Well, if it weren't for you, I don't think I would have completed it. And that was my biggest lesson. Um, you can't do things by yourself. And what I mean about by that is if it weren't for my support system, yourself and the boys, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Like all the, 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 the you know, the Saturday, Sunday mornings, I woke up drunk because I had a lot of colonials the night before, you know, um, and, and having you boys on the, on the phone going, no, you're coming to training. We, we don't care. <laughs> that you drank last night you're coming to training and you guys gave me a system of accountability you gave me the support system and i wasn't the fastest in the crew as well right um but you guys would always be supportive and you know help with technique and just talk about like the psychological barriers that you know you get to in running and you have to kind of get past them so my biggest lesson from that is Find really amazing people in your life um, and people that you trust um, Im implicitly and explicitly and rely on them. You know, it's being from Africa, I've just got to say it, you know, it takes a village. It takes a village to raise a child, right? Um, and it's it's it, that's something that I really learned from from when we did marathon um, when we did the marathon, and the reason why I wanted to tie it back to that to that saying, not saying that everyone from Africa lives in a village, so correction, <laughs> but it, the 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 underlying ethos of that um, saying is we have it's every, like it's everyone's responsibility to be there for each other, right? Um, and that's, that's my biggest lesson from the marathon long winded, but that's it. Um, have a really great crew and rely on. Yeah. Look, I must say your sprints are a lot, a lot more in depth than mine. So <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a whole bunch of quotes that you've just shared that I think I could add to the list of quotes that inspire me. <laughs> so I think if there's one thing that's definitely a big takeaway from this episode is a whole list of taps quotes <laughs> that are going to help many people out there in this in these challenging times. So, well done, thank you, my friend. Oh, thanks, brother. Thank you. So I think much. it's a great note to to um, thank you again for coming on the show. Thoroughly enjoyed having you on, and I know you're as you mentioned in different aspects of the episode. You're a super busy person. And you're doing a million things. So thanks for making the time, and I think. Definitely, we'll have to book in another episode where we can go a bit more deeper into some of those themes you talked about. Brother, for you, anytime. I am so proud of what you're doing here. I think, you know, I've always said this to you. You are one of those lights in the world. Um, and I'm glad that you started this platform because a lot of people are going to benefit from just, you know, spending time with you. <laughs> like I've, I have in in all of these years i'm i'm super grateful um to to be uh, to have you in my life and and i appreciate you man awesome it goes both ways mate <laughs> thanks again and look forward to talking soon
Thanks, brother. Thank you. There you have it. Taps Matimba. I hope you took away some actionable insights and inspiration to apply to your lives and be 1% better every day. And I look forward to sharing the next episode with you in a fortnight. Stay tuned.